Welcome to the Morning Mindset Season 2 with Nick Mirabello, Chief Inspiration Officer at MP. The Morning Mindset will send you off into your day with an extra boost of energy, optimism, and mental clarity. As we continue to navigate these uncharted waters amidst this global pandemic, it's vital to keep our thoughts and actions positive. Scientific studies have shown that 40% of our happiness and mood are controlled by our mindset and behavior. Each episode of The Morning Mindset will give you simple tips and strategies to harness your thoughts to create mental clarity, boost your confidence, and prevent emotional ruts. By clearing out your mental clutter and shifting your mindset, you can tap into your inner wisdom and discover the power of positivity. Additionally, in Season 2, Nick will be interviewing an array of thought leaders throughout our nation to see how they have thrived through the adversity of the pandemic. And here's our host, Nick Mirabello. Hello, this is Nick Marambell, and welcome to The Morning Mindset. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to like share a short, quick story of how I first met Denise. Some of you Morning Mindset listeners may know about our nonprofit called Fed Up With Cancer. In fact, some of you are already probably sponsors and donors of it, and we're so grateful and thankful for all of you, as Fed Up With Cancer has now been around for over the past decade. It was a few years ago now. The location was the Danversport Yacht Club. Beautiful ballroom massive event. About 400 people were there to support this great cause and to rally around families and patients with cancer to give back and make an impact and help those individuals and families in need. Our keynote speaker that night was Denise DeSimone. Her story from stage four to center stage and how she overcame stage four cancer and her amazing journey along the way and what took place, which we'll get into in a moment. As I stood there that evening, listening to Denise's keynote, She captivated all of us in that ballroom that night, which is sharing a glimpse of her story. But also you could feel the power and the passion that came from her voice, that came from her words, her heart, her mind. I'll never forget it. She ended her speech that night with singing the words of Tim McGraw's song, Live Like You Were Dying. Live Like You Were Dying. It was so powerful, so magnificent. And of course, not a dry eye in the building. Later on, as the event went on, my uh, wonderful wife got a chance to meet Denise and got an autographed book by her. And I said, I have to go meet her. So I ran back to go meet with Denise and immediately her and I hit it off. I think we embraced in a hug and right off, we just had this great connection. And I just knew so much work she was doing in the community and doing for others and inspiring others through her story. And now her book, and she has a documentary. It's incredible. I advise us all to watch it, read it when you can. Her story is so powerful. And the best part is, She's still writing it. I'm also excited to announce Denise has just launched a podcast of her own entitled So Much More Than Cancer. Check it out. Now streaming on all the major media players, So Much More Than Cancer. Every Thursday, she launches a new episode. She is a cancer wellness coach, terrific person, and I'm excited to share this conversation we had over Zoom. And you'll get to hear Denise's story and helpful coaching tips on how she persevered with grit and grace. Let's dive right into it. Here we are with Denise DeSimone. I am so honored to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, your story is true inspiration. I've had a chance to meet you, work with you, read your book, and watch a documentary from stage four to center stage. And if you don't mind, I want the first thing I want to get into, Denise, your story is so powerful and inspired so many. And you didn't just survive cancer, but thrived, thrived through it. And there's something that you say, and it's on your website as well, 
Cancer did not define me. It redesigned me. Can you share with our listeners, our audience, um, what that means and hopefully how it resonates with others? Sure. Well, first I want to say thank you for the opportunity to be with you. And yes, we have worked together and and enjoyed each other's uh, professional company and uh, been in social situations that you are just a dynamo. And I am so excited to be with you here today and getting the messages all out there for just putting warm and fuzzies all over everybody. <laughs> So that so the, the cancer didn't define me, it redesigned me means, well, first of all, when you get a cancer diagnosis, it is such a devastating moment when you hear the words, you have cancer. That's, mm. that's understandable and goes without saying that all of a sudden your life becomes, the focal point of it is this cancer, which it should be. Mm-hmm. Yet... It gets all consuming and a lot of people end up living their lives in the definition and defined by cancer. And for me, it was an absolute opportunity to let cancer be my mentor to allow me to design my life because there's nothing like coming close to death to make you really feel alive. And people who, I don't wish a cancer diagnosis on anybody, but I do almost wish that people could feel what we feel because they would learn to appreciate every moment and know that every day we can design ourselves for what we want and don't have to be defined or or put in a box of your cancer patient. And a lot of people strive strive to survive and i i was striving for really looking at thriving because survive means to merely live through something i don't want to live i don't want to merely live through something i don't want to have someone else to no matter what whether you have a cancer diagnosis or you don't that's not me so to define me for a little bit it did but then i realized let this redesign you. And it redesigned my life in so, so many ways. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I work privately as a, as a cancer wellness coach. And I've helped people, whether they live or die, doesn't mean you're going to live. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my long-term clients, actually two of my long-term clients just passed away in the last month. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I am as well, but yet cancer we got to a place where their souls, you know, the work, the healing work is really up to the doctors. But for me, healing me from the, I mean, the curing work was, was, is the work of the doctors, but healing me from the inside out was the work of my soul. And that's the kind of work I do to help people really design their lives for how much ever, however much time we have. Mm-hmm. And to let it design you means you have now a blank canvas. What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? What have you been beating yourself up about? So I'm sure we'll get more into this, but to me, that's what that means. Absolutely. I love that. And and you talked a lot about it's not surviving, not just merely surviving, but to really thrive. And I love in your documentary, Denise, you did the acronym for thrive. Tenacious, healthy, resilient, important victory, 
exceptional. Um, talk a little bit about, and there's other, one other thing I want to mention. So talk a little bit about the thriving, but also, I also shared this with our audience last season, ants, automatic negative thoughts that run through our minds. And I love what you talked about, a thought can be helpful or hurtful. If you can share what a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, the morning mindset is how we can shift our mindset. So if you can share and enlighten with our audience when times are tough, when they face adversity, how can they identify those ants? How can they shift their mindset when they're facing adversity? Well, you know, that's a great question, Nick. And I believe that a lot of people believe they can't. <laughs> so there's a bit of a learning curve and there's sure. a bit of a um, uh, being patient with people and helping them realize that, first of all, most people don't know that we have over 70,000 thoughts a day. Boom, boom, boom. Every 1.2 seconds we're having a thought. For some reason, human nature and human beings err on the side of negativity. Okay, so that's why I call them ants. And they do steal our good because a lot of times people are people are triggered by thoughts that they're not in the moment because the conscious mind, right? Our conscious mind is never in the moment. It's either back here beating ourselves up or it's out in what might happen. Now, the subconscious mind is ever present in the past, in the future and the present moment. Yes. Okay. Yes. So when I was sitting, because I sat for a long time, you know, I, I was, I had stage four throat and neck cancer. I was fed through a tube for nine months. I lost all ability to speak, to eat, to even drink water. Um, and I sat. And it was the most amazing six month meditation that I've ever been gifted with in right. a way. So I had a lot of time to think about what I thought about. And most people never think about that. You know, they, they don't, they don't think about what they're thinking about because we're too busy reacting to what the heck we're thinking about. Right. But we're not aware of it. <laughs> it sounds, it's nuts. You can, we, you can get crazy with all this. Anyway, suffice it to say, I believe that if people took the three P's and apply them to their day. Pause for personal peace. If every day we sat down, even for five minutes twice a day, and emptied ourselves, and let your mind go wherever, but sit still. Just be quiet. Right. Just sit still. You have this ability to connect and allow yourself, body, mind, spirit, to come into more of a state of homeostasis, that then gives you a cleaner, clearer lens to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Think about what you're thinking about. And I'm not saying sit down and, and you know, obsess over, oh my God, am I thinking this? Just lovingly, kindly, gently, you know, my whole message is about self-love. Yes. You gotta, self-love is the all-time greatest healer. I almost named my book that. My editor said nobody will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I agree with her yet. Right. I understand it. And the most loving, kind thing we can do is to really pay attention to what we're paying attention to. And you know, it doesn't take but a second and a, and a, and a flip of the switch to absolutely 
start taking command over your thoughts if you just stop and think about what you're thinking about. And you can decide, like you said, is this thought helpful or is it harmful? And one of the things that I train in what I teach people is, you know, not only are you pausing for personal peace, but you have every right to make an appointment with your negative thoughts. Now, you could say these thoughts are coming in and as you exercise the muscle where you are uh, strengthening your, your, um, your, your muscle for, for all of this insight, then you can do things like, hey, you know what? At 5 o'clock, I'll meet with you for 15 minutes. You can dump everything you want on me. But right now, I'm busy having fun. <laughs> right. I'm busy. I'm busy creating instead of reacting to everything that you are just fire hosing me in the face with. Because react and create, they have the same letters. I love that. You said they have the same letters? Yeah. 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 We end up reacting to so many triggers and so many things that sometimes we're not even aware of. Well, we, we start to really work with that and we say, oh, wait a minute, I have a choice. Okay. You know, it's not the choice that gets us stuck. It's making the decision to choose. People need to make decisions to make choices that empower them that say, you know, hey, you know what? I am actually, today, I'm not letting one thing, as much as I'm able, interrupt, interfere, or sway me from the miraculousness of this day that I was born into. That's my right as a human being to be happy, healthy, and whole. And it's up to us, really. And so it's a process by which people can start to train themselves. Now, does this happen overnight, Nick? No. No. Right. Does it, do we ever each the acme of, uh, self actualization? No. It's a, it's a moment by moment process. It's a day to day process. Yet what we can do is shorten the length of time where we drift off into never, never land of negativity and come back to center. The more we exercise these muscles and we realize and we, we, we help ourselves to become mental, mental guardians, if you will, Mm -hmm. and protect our, our, our hearts, really, and our soul's missions, you start to shorten that time where you go off the cliff and you come back to center where it might have take someone, you know, five hours to get out of a funk, you go, oh, I see that. And in five minutes, you're back, right. you're back to center stage. Thanks. Well said. And to identify that and to make that shift and not just surviving or cancer, but thriving through it. I want to talk, we talk a lot about on this podcast, Denise, about having that morning mindset, having those morning routines, something I've been passionate about for the past decade of my life, whether it's studying and I'm doing them myself and then reading about them. Is there a certain routine um, that you do to prepare yourself for the day that you want to walk our audience through? Well, at this point, I love to wake up and just place my hands on my heart and thank you for the day. Walk with me and help me just be in the moment 
Mm-hmm. And I know it's not possible for the next 16 hours I'm awake. Right. Yet, nudge me and remind me. So you're co-creating the day and not feeling so alone. You know, a lot. Because, you see, people go, oh, uh, I just can't. God's not with me. You know what? God's always with you. It's we're the ones that separate ourselves from the higher consciousness, the infinite intelligence. It's always there. So I acknowledge that in the morning. Uh, sometimes I'll do Qigong. I like to meditate, just be quiet for a little bit. And I have a little pooch that I take for walks. Nice. And I do a lot of, um, I love to do the Thich Nhat Hanh, thank you, th- yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you meditation. It's his walking meditation. For those listening that don't know who Thich Nhat Hanh is, he is a um, a Vietnamese monk who has been teaching ways of peace for decades. And he's nearing the end of his life at this point in time, but he is just an amazing soul on the planet. Simplifies the most mm, complex things about life, but he has this walking meditation. You just walk. And you say, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. And you get and you get uh, into a rhythm, and before you know it, you walk three miles. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to call somebody to come pick you up because you don't know where you are. <laughs> right, get into, uh, into that rhythm for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I always know where I am, but, yeah. but it's, it's that powerful. And the other thing I, the other thing, just to not to interrupt you, but the other thing I think is important to start the day with some good nutrition. You know, I, I start my day with a, a, a cheaped up, beefed up, you know, celery, kale, bananas, um, all kinds of collard greens and put them in my protein drink and my, I can't swallow vitamins because I had throat cancer and that's just not possible. So I put all that in there. And it's important to, um, feed your body. Your mind and your spirit. Right. Fuel your soul. So important. You've done it for yourself and so many. I was watching your documentary and it's beautiful. You talk about not being alone and you have an incredible network of friends and family that care about you, that love you, and you give it right back to them. Because I'm a huge believer in like what we throw out to the world is going to come right back to us. Life is a boomerang. And you've you've thrown an amazing, healthy, loving boomerang out there to the world, Denise. there's something that was very, I mean, there was moments of your story and your documentary that was so powerful and compelling, but something that you also said, you never gave cancer that power. You never, you never gave cancer that power over your faith, over your optimism, your peace and intuition. Um, if you want to enlighten, share with our audience that piece, but also you also didn't battle cancer, but you befriended it. And there was a certain name you gave it to. So I don't want to give it all away. I'll let you share your your story. All right. So that's... That's a couple of things in all of that, what you just said. First of all, I heard from the infinite intelligence of the universe, my guides, one day, Denise, be fierce in your faith for that which you want instead of being so fierce in the fight against that which you don't want. I'm going to say that again. Yes. Be fierce in your faith for that which you want instead of being so fierce in the fight against that which you don't want. You see, mm-hmm. we fight as human beings what we don't want. We, we're, we're, oh, like they tell people, oh, you got to battle cancer. Well, you know what? I'm not so sure about that, Nick. I believe where there's a battle, there's a war, and there's enough war. Mm-hmm. 
And I, and, and I also believe, and for all you people with cancer out there who are listening to people tell you, you got to fight, 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 I'm going to tell you right here and now, you have to decide what's right for you, and then you make that choice. You decide, you commit, and you execute what's right for you. And I had to do a lot of that because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm Italian. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I don't want to fight with anything. And and here's the deal. Cancer already had a lot of heat. It had a lot of war kind of energy. It was raging this war in front inside of me, inside of us people with cancer. And it's like if you were in school and the schoolyard bully was always beating kids up, you don't want to be on the other side of the fence. You want to be on the side of the schoolyard bully, maybe a little behind them. You don't want to fight. And cancer needed my cancer. I can speak about me. This cancer that decided to visit me needed me to love it. Now, we have how many trillions of cells in our body, right? Right. Well, I thought one day, you know what? More of me is healthy because I have so many cells than than sad and right. unhealthy. So I would sit and do, and I would teach and train. See, it's all about the subconscious mind, but we're not taught this in schools. Right. In the subconscious mind, that's why if you can quiet those thoughts, the guardian, that, that guardian at the gate, okay? The ego, the thoughts that are negative but think they protect you, they don't. In the subconscious mind, doesn't know the difference between what's real and what isn't real. So I started to teach my cells to go and love all over the cells that were sad and unhealthy. And then I would sit and I would do in my mind what I couldn't do physically, but I knew my healing process didn't know the difference. I swam every day from my recliner. I rode my bike every day from my recliner. I played golf every day from my recliner. I went on my four-mile walks that I did every day from my recliner. And eventually, I had no reason to battle cancer. I was doing everything in my power to have a friendship with it and to learn from it. And you mentioned I, na I gave it a name. I named it Pin for pain in the neck. Because it was, I had, I had a huge, fitting. I had a huge lump on my neck. They ended up taking the whole side of my left side of my neck off in a six, five-hour um, surgery, mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted to have dialogue with Pin and ask it questions. And I would go into a deep meditation, and I'd come out and let my pen just run across the paper. And some of the things, of course, it's accessing the, 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 the subconscious and it's accessing the, the higher vibration of, of what we know to be true for ourselves, but we can't, because our monkey minds are in the way, we can't always get there. Right. And Pin told me some fabulous things, uh, three main lessons I learned. Pin said, stop beating yourself up for nothing. And when I indignantly said, I'm not beating myself up for nothing, Pin said, it doesn't feel that way in here. And that, that took me, that stopped me in my tracks. Because we, no matter whether you have cancer or not, we beat ourselves up for nothing. Until we learn 
that we can decide to make a choice not to do that anymore. Right. The second thing Pin said was, the more light you can hold, the less room for me. And I thought, we don't have time to get all into this right now, but it's very spelled out in the book, and I talk about it in the documentary at length. Yes. Now, what does that mean? Well, a lot of our wounds get embodied in our bodies, our minds, and our spirits from all kinds of stuff, whether you had a horrible childhood or you were abused or you just do a lot of beating yourself up. But the light that we can bring in and carry needs more room, and that means we have to allow ourselves to purge, if you will, and cleanse and clean out, just like you would if you open your closet and it was a mess. You clean it out, you dust it off, you purge what you don't need. Internally, that's what I had to do, and I had different um, uh, techniques to do that. And as I did that and released those cobwebs, if you will, from those those crevices, all of a sudden I felt more light. People were like, you look different. I'm like, yeah, I feel different. And then the third thing was, Pin said, the more you love yourself, the less reason for me to stick around. Now that was a good one. And I thought, I thought I was loving myself. But when I really, really committed to doing the healing from the inside out in the work of my soul, that in and of itself, if you took nothing but that one away about self-love and allowing yourself to go into your soul, a lot of people are afraid to be quiet and listen. And a lot of people don't believe they deserve love, never mind self-love. But unless we really get to the place where we can truly love ourselves even the crap we don't like about ourselves, mm-hmm. then and only then can we actually experience love for another human being. I don't care if it's your husband, your wife, your child. You know this better than anybody. You're you're the you're you're like love walking around on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I talk a lot about the importance of. We need to have self-compassion first. You need to love, like, love your imperfections. Get to know it. It's okay. No one's perfect. We're all unique. But if we can continue to be compassionate with ourselves first, because life is hard enough, so why why do why be so hard on yourself, right? Yes. And then if we can share that compassion, spread to others. And I don't care if it's in the business world in your personal life, just all around, all the world, all around, we can do that. We can certainly make our life a better place to be and a better place to live especially now we need this more than ever right i was gonna say that because it was i I think of often denise the you know the pandemic that we're still in and have gone through since march um i take the blessings the silver linings from it and one thing i did i was able to slow down my mornings a little bit and take time to do meditation to do my workouts and i said earlier in season one was about like i used to just check off the boxes okay i went for my run i read my quotes I did this, I did that, and then I'll get in the car and drive to work. And I enjoyed my commute because it was time to decompress and also get my mindset ready for the workday. But that being said, now I've been able to take my time on a few things to really hone in on what I'm doing and being present for that activity, whether it's meditation, yeah. reading, writing, talking to my wife, whatever it may be. But And you've talked a lot about that in your book and your story about being present. It's It's so powerful and so needed. So... How have you dealt with, if you went through a stage four cancer, how are you dealing with the pandemic? How is yeah. 
things having to shift a shift or pivot for you? Well, before I answer that question, I want to just go back a tad because morning routines are important. Mm. Yet, I this is just me personally. I never let a routine become routine. Ah. Because exactly what you just said. People check off the box and I got to do this and they're just become um mechanical. And I uh, honestly I don't do the same thing every day except for my hands on my heart, wake up the day. I do not I may not want to do qigong till the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I definitely walk my dog. I sit for a few minutes, even if it's five. If I want a longer meditation, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll make my protein drink at 8.30. Maybe I'll make it at 10 o'clock. I just, um, because exactly what you said, we never want that morning routine to become so routine that we are not, body, mind, and spirit, present to what we are engaged in. Well said. I like that. That's a good challenge for me. <laughs> I've probably done the same routine the past decade uh, here and there, but I don't get upset at myself or if things go, you know, the life throws you that curveball. I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, you have to adapt, adapt and adjust. So the other thing with the uh, pandemic for me, how I've dealt with it, um, I, I love being home. I mean, I love being social, but People wouldn't realize this, but on the uh, Myers-Briggs, I'm actually an introvert. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I need a lot of time alone. I spend a a huge amount of time by myself. I always have. I created my life that way. I've worked at home for even when I was in, you know, corporate America, high-tech sales. I I worked from home or on the road. Um, And so the, the... the biggest piece for me is um, making sure I'm safe and not fearful, yet uh, responsible. And um, the, the toughest thing for me to deal with this pandemic is um, watching and knowing of people who lost loved ones that they couldn't be with. You know, my, yeah. my a friend of mine, brother-in-law died. He was a per- picture of health, 60-year-old. And for people who say, oh, this is, you know, we've been hoodwinked. This isn't really a virus. It's like, yeah, well, if you knew somebody. So for me, I pray a lot uh, for people who are struggling. And I pray that God allows our political environment to settle down because it's dangerous at this point. It's dangerous. And so, again, not fearful, but um, and the, I think the other thing that I do is I see it the way I want it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think, it. yeah, I, I think, you know, just like I played golf and swam and all that, I listen to what the truth is and then I overlay, well, what's really going to be is this is going to be how it is and this is what's good. This is coming and this is what it looks like. And I think when that happens, um, I just I just proved that theory that we can actually create a reality by feel because again the subconscious mind by believing that it's uh, telling my body it's already here it's already happened and I said on my birthday I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket and I'm going to win a bunch of money I bought a do- I bought a lottery ticket and I won two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Nice so time. I'm working my way up to the million. <laughs> <laughs> right on. 
um, speaking of all the visualization that you did as you were going through what you did, did you visualize yourself singing again? And I want to get to the point where you were on center stage at Fenway Park on July 14, 2007. Please share the, that journey in that moment, that evening. Well, you know, Nick, um, that was uh, that was divinely orchestrated like it all is. But that one that one won the prize for sure. That's the prize of my life. I couldn't sing for a long time. And I sing, play guitar. I, I'm always singing just because I love to sing. My dad was a singer. We were always singing around the house. And I um, was told that I'd probably lose my singing voice. And it did change, but I don't care. So when I was in my recovery, I did lose my voice a lot during the day. And uh, when I could speak, I sounded a lot like Elmer Fudd, which was... I, Friends couldn't even understand me, so it didn't. I I just said forget it, don't even speak. And so, when I couldn't even eke a note, I was that was probably one of the most upsetting parts of this whole journey. Yet I knew I would sing again, and I would just sit and think about singing. And I I'm a sound healer, so I would sit and do sounds in my head. Mm. healing tones and sounds and about oh I don't know a year and a half after diagnoses and by the way it was just 15 years last month oh, was it? last 15 anniversary oh beautiful and they, they gave me three months to live yeah that's so so I um about a year and a half out I started to feel my voice was strong enough. I had had a lot of surgeries on my esophagus and everything. Mm -hmm. That it was strong enough to start, you know, using it, testing it. And little by little by little by, God gave me the gift of my voice again. Again, albeit different, but still, I think it's okay. Right. Yeah. So um, I was diagnosed in August, September of '05. And I had just done the Pan Mass Challenge, which is the largest fundraiser in the world, raising money. It's a bike ride to raise money for children through the Jimmy Fund and Dana Farber Cancer Center. Right. And how many miles do you bike? That the, the the full ride is 200, and I would do the one day. I did it in 03 and 05, and I had just ridden 90 miles in one nice. day. I got very sick at the lunch stop. Uh, they wanted me to stop, but I said no because I had raised about ten, twelve thousand. I wanted to hold my end of the bargain up, but I got to the finish line and collapsed. So the next day I went off and I went to. Um, I got to my a couple days later. I got to my doctor who had been misdiagnosing me, and I said something ain't right. Anyway, so um, I was part of the PMS challenge, and the PMC sent out the registration for the 07 ride, and my doctor asked me if I would wait another year, and I said, no, I'm fine. So, you know, I'm a feisty, stubborn Italian, but, you know, <laughs> when you go through something like that, and I believe this is really important for everybody listening, whether you have cancer or not, you're the boss of you. People can give you instruction. People can give you their thoughts. People can give you opinions. But you and God know what's right for you. And I knew, register for this ride. One thing led to another. It's too long a story. It's all in the book. Um, I was 
invited to sing the national anthem at Fenway Park before a Red Sox game because the Red Sox are the presenting sponsors for the PMC. And every year they have a huge invitation for 5,000 Pan Mass Challenge riders to pepper the seats of Fenway Park. And some of them ride out on the field with their bicycles, which I got to do one year as well. Very cool. And um, I remember the day they asked me to, they called me, and the media people asked me if I would I would sing National Anthem before the game. And I said, oh, good. I can feel it right now as I'm talking to you. I was sitting in a chair in my office. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't think my legs work. <laughs> 35,000 people in that stadium. And when, when, the, when Fenway Park is full, 35,000 People are in that stadium, and you're going to sing in front of them. And oh. okay, yeah, it was an out-of-body experience. People go, "How would that feel?" I go, "I don't. I wasn't there." <laughs> right. Um. So I I ended up eventually saying yes, and it was incredible. It was um, and it was amazing because um, my sister-in-law had just passed, uh, oh, okay. uh, about six weeks before that. So I just. I dedicated that day to her and another woman, which I can't get into the story because we don't have time, but it's, it's in the book about this this woman who called me that day out of the blue for some guidance. Um, and it, I just, I stood at home plate and I looked up at the number above everyone's head and I sang for yeah. my, my sister-in-law and I sang for uh, Linda and I sang for everyone who had ever been touched by cancer. And it was magical. And then they actually invited me back two years later to sing again. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, That's... I don't normally tell people that because they go, for God's sake, I can't even get there once. <laughs> Good for you. I, I love recalling your sister's comments about she was right there, you know, front row watching her sister sing in front of everyone. But she couldn't really see because her eyes were just filled with tears. You know, she's full of tears, but she was able to look up at the big screen, the Jumbotron there at Fenway Park and see your face singing in the national anthem. It was uh, such a beautiful story and powerful story that inspires so many. Thanks, Nick. Um, coming from a big Italian family, I know you talk about in your documentary the the strength and spirit you get from your mother. Are, um, are there other mentors in your life that you've had and lessons that they've taught you that you uh, don't mind me asking when you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, great question. I um, I grew up Catholic, and as much as I don't agree with a lot of the tenets of Catholicism at this point, I do, however, love that I was raised Catholic school, Catholic upbringing, church every Sunday. It helped me form an amazing relationship with Jesus and the Blessed Mother and St. Teresa. And for me, I have, especially when I was sick, turned to the energies of what would Jesus do? And the energies of the Blessed Mother wrapping her arms around me in the moments I really needed. Um, and on this earth plane, I started listening to the Wayne Dyers of the world when I was in my mid-twenties. Og Mandino, do you know, do you remember who Og Mandino is? 
Uh, I, I don't, to be oh, transparent. Well, Ogmandino is all about love. You, we might want to check him out. Okay. Look him up. Um, beautiful man. Paisan, for sure. Um, My dad's introduced me to Wayne Dyer, but I have not... Um... I do not know Ogmandino. Yeah, so the Wayne dies of the world. But Ogmandino, I think, especially knowing you, Nick, you're going to just eat that up. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he's on the earth plane any longer. And I just, um, I got involved in the uh, religion of spiritualism and started to realize um, how much we are connected to people who cross the veil and how important it is to sit and be quiet and listen. And I think... The the introduction to being sitting still was the biggest mentor I could have ever had in my life. Although, you know, we do, I, I then I got involved in the unity movement, which is a great movement. It was started out as a philosophy, not a religion, and became a, its own philosophical program to help people deepen their beliefs and understanding of their own personal religions. So I've done a lot of you know, reading and watching and listening. And I believe, I really do, the biggest mentor in my life was cancer. Mm, wow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah. And you certainly you, uh, are sought-after speaker, teacher, and cancer wellness coach. It's D Denise D. Simone, and your website's DeniseDeSimone.com, and I'll have that in the show notes, Denise. Um, there's something else you say that's really compelling in the documentary. I know we're uh, probably running out of a little bit of time here, but I want to get to the point where it challenges our doorways of transformation. And I think a lot of our listeners um, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with working remotely, having everyone under roof, kids, partners, everyone's either working or schooling, and it's been a challenge, it's been a pivot um, for a lot of different people. And whether they're going through cancer or not, or whatever they're, they're, whatever challenge that they need to thrive through. Um, what could, advice could you give them on maybe embracing those challenges and kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, that's um, another good question. And I believe, you know what, without challenges, our lives would be very boring. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, be easy. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a challenge. I mean, every day, yeah. I, I trust me. I have friends uh, that are the challenges are off the charts right now. This is a this is a this is a very um, this is the anomaly, right? Okay. Right. So um, all bets are off with these kind of challenges because they just every day. I, I'm grateful. I'm 65 years old. I don't have kids to deal with in school and. You know, you have a youngster, but it's not, you're not trying to teach her at home and do your work and right. do this and spin that and be afraid if you touch something, you're going to get people sick. Right. So this, this is, this is a different time, but in general, relatively speaking about challenges, I do believe there are doorways to transformation, which means when you go approach a door, you don't try to squeeze underneath it or squeeze up top of it. You have to open the door. Well, open the door to the challenge that you are faced with or that has come into your face and ask the questions like I did of, of, of Penn. Like, what are you here to teach me? What can we learn together? How can I go through this where I open the door and allow the lessons 
to come in without being so uh, burdened with the challenge. And when we embrace it in a way where we don't let the challenge overpower us, but we empower ourselves to face the challenge. Do you understand that? <clears throat> a challenge can overpower you or empower you. Right. I just, it's the first time I'm saying this, so spirit's coming right in. And when we empower ourselves, all of a sudden, a challenge, if you, and this is a cool visual, it is a doorway to transformation and we need to open it, but we can also open that door as it is dissolving. You can see almost an evanescence like of a firework. When you open that door, let it melt away, face the challenge from an empowered place where we have so many tools that we don't even utilize or understand because we're so wrapped up in the what-ifs or oh-my-gods. And, you know, most things, if you just, again, sit down for a moment, when you have a challenge, sit down, be still, then open the doorway. But they are doorways to transformation. And I believe if we're not transforming, then we're dying. Mm. And you're so right. And to have the mindset that, you know, setbacks aren't there to break us, but to make us. Amen. That's when we can really embrace the challenge. I've had the pleasure and honor of um, being part of your sound healing workshops. I've read your book um, from center from stage four to center stage your documentary i watch is beautiful i recommend listeners when you watch that have a box of tissues nearby uh it's compelling it's powerful it's inspiring denise before i let you go it's been such an honor and pleasure um so grateful to have you here on the podcast thank you for joining the morning mindset is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up i would like to share that on a daily basis children laugh about 200 times for some reason, adults laugh about 15. Mm. I want to encourage and let everybody know, even in the midst of the mess, bless, bless, and stay out of the mess and find something to laugh at. Right, yes. Or laugh about. <laughs> right. We need more laughter, love, and joy in our life for sure. And you are certainly a person, when you spend time with you, uh, that certainly happens, so... I am uh, so grateful. So good to reconnect with you, Denise. Thank you so much. Oh, same here. God bless you, honey. God bless all who are listening as well. Thank you, Denise. Same to you. I hope you all took some simple strategies with you today that you can start putting into play to truly give yourself a healthy and positive start to your day. We all have it in us. I want you to envision the success, health, prosperous life you want for you and your loved ones. This is your daily reminder. You are stronger than you think. Your brain is brighter than you may believe. Your vision, your attitude, your self-talk matters. Lean into that and soon you'll discover all the good that happens in you and around you. This is Your Morning Mindset. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Morning Mindset. Do you have someone you'd like to be interviewed? Send an email to morningmindset at masspay.net or hit us up on social media at The Mass Pay Way. Enjoyed this episode and found it helpful? Please leave a five-star review so other people like you can find us. 
The Morning Mindset serves as your daily boost of inspiration and is powered by MP HR and Payroll Solutions. MP is a full-service HR and payroll provider. To learn more, go to masspaysolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in. The Morning Mindset. Harness your thoughts, take charge of your own well-being, and discover the power of positivity. 